0: Hopefully now, hopefully now everybody has had somebody speak to them. And you can actually walk away thinking, well, at least I've got one friend in the world now. Back in the 1960s, Jack Warner, who was the last then uh, of the five living Warner Brothers, sold his stock in Warner Brothers at a cost of uh, $640 million. So a reporter asked him, so I wonder then, how many, Jack, how many friends do you have in the world? He said, you know, the truth is, I don't have a single friend in the whole world. Now, I have to say that was back in the 60s. We're to hear that today. I thought, well, I'll, I'll offer, I'll volunteer. <laughs> Loneliness, you probably don't need me to tell you, is rampant in our society. Mother Teresa once said that it was, in her opinion, the world's worst and biggest sickness locally for some years we ran a befriending scheme here as a church and the reason that we did that was in response to a need that was highlighted by a paramedic who's a part of the church back then even in the town of dorchester there is a massive sense of loneliness some of you that are in the caring profession don't need me to remind you of that one of the top selling books ever, over the last hundred years, next to the Bible, which is always right up there, has been how to win friends and influence people. The result being that, you know, it's pretty obvious we all need friends. Some people, of course, and you may well be one of them, and may well be on Facebook, and you may well know other people on Facebook who like to boast and brag of the number of friends that they have got, which sometimes runs into not just hundreds, but thousands and thousands of friends, people that they rarely have a real conversation with, let alone ever meet. And it begs the question as to what it is that it uh, that we, uh, we understand of what a friend might be. And you may well want to have that conversation uh, afterwards. When God made the world and there was then just that one man that he created initially then god said it is not good for man to be alone and it's great for us to have times of quiet times to be on our own and for some people that whole covid season actually not having to talk to anybody uh, they liked but ultimately we kind of get stuck and lost and isolated and go somewhat downhill without relationship with other people. That's why we're thinking about this subject, which is the first in our new series that we've called Strictly Getting It Right on the Night. How can we develop good and positive friendships? Proverbs chapter 7, and 27, and we're going to have that read to us shortly, says these words. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the friends he chooses. Friendship is not accidental. God cares about the kind of friends that we have. He wants us to have positive friendships. That's going to be good for our own sense of well-being. And according to the Bible, this isn't a small kind of pithy uh, little subject it's an important subject the bible talks a lot about friends and friendship and in particular ultimately our own uh, opportunity and capacity and potential to have a living relationship and friendship with god more about that uh, later so that's where we're going but for now particularly those of you that are watching but for us here and especially those younger <coughs> some of you now are smiling saying is that me No, it's not you, David, so you can stop smiling. Right, I had to pick on the right person. I'm not going to get too upset. This is for community kids. Our community kids meets here on the first uh, Sunday in the month, but we always seek to have a slot for the younger generation. So this is Laura and Rupert and Francis who are going to help us understand a little bit more about this subject, and then Andrew is going to come and read to us from Proverbs chapter 27.
1: Morning, all. So, today's reading is from Proverbs 27. It's a list. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, someone else, not your own lips. Stone is heavy, and sand is a burden but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. He who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, And do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger, Hold it in pledge if he does it for a wayward woman. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. A quarrelsome wife... Steady. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand move quickly on (laughs) as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another he who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit and he who looks after his master will be honored as water reflects a face so a man's heart reflects the man death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are the eyes of man the crucible for silver, and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding him like grain with a pestle, you will not remove his folly from him. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed you and your family and to nourish your servant girls.
0: Thank you, Andrew. It's great being stood over at the side, and I knew that verse 15 was coming about the quarrelsome wife, and to just gaze sideways across the church and across the auditorium and see an exchange of several looks between a variety of couples here today, and then watch one wife slap her husband on his thigh. No comment. I'm not going to say who that was at all. I want us to be very practical this morning as we think about maybe our ourselves and what we are like as friends or in seeking friends. So these are some very practical suggestions uh, for me, but for each of us as well to consider. Here's the first thing. Be committed be committed proverbs chapter 18 and we can't just be restricted to uh, proverbs chapter 27 because each proverb has so much wealth of wisdom to do with a variety of subjects but we're using this book from the old testament to draw from throughout this uh, series proverbs 18 verse 24 says a man or woman of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother it's about quality as opposed to quantity. We can't be committed uh, to everybody. Now, for the Christian, of course, we can think, oh, that that could in, in some shape or form relate to how we see Jesus more about that a little bit later. There are lots of levels, though, aren't there, of friendships, companions, work colleagues, people that you may well send Christmas cards to, people that you send Christmas cards to... Only because they've sent you a Christmas card. Some people I know carry some spares in their handbags. I'm presuming this is ladies. Just in case they get a Christmas card so that they can send a Christmas card back to their best friend or whatever. Various different levels of friendships. Our social life, though, very often could prevent us from having really seriously deep relationships we can get so busy maybe uh impressing people at a superficial level that we don't know that many people if anybody at all really in depth that's the value of what we call here a life group or a small group where we've got a small group of people who meet together once a week or once a fortnight where within that small group there's the opportunity to get to know one another a lot closer and to support one another when tough times comes I think it's also, uh, I've seen over the years, a challenge for ourselves as a church. One of the things I inherited 17 uh, plus years ago was hearing that this church was a friendly church. A number of you have commented on that and used that, that line in your own, seeking to be a part of the church here. Oh, it's really friendly from the word go. But if we're not careful, that can be where it stops. And I can see why some people have felt that. It's great that the church is perceived as friendly when we walk in the door, but where does that level of friendliness then move to? In terms of meeting outside of a Sunday morning, in terms of meals shared uh, one with another. And I think particularly for individuals that have got a gift of hospitality that have invited people over and they never get invited back, they're scratching their heads thinking, well, I thought this was a friendly church. If you've got that gift, don't let that stop you using your gift. But maybe we could just think about moving on a level from us being a friendly church to seeking maybe an increased depth of friendship. Proverbs 18 again says, Some friendships don't last, but some friendships are more loyal than brothers or sisters. Friendship begins with commitment. And I found myself asking myself the question, who am I committed to? And do they know that I am committed to them for the long haul? That's a a challenge that I aimed at myself this week. Secondly, let's think about being considerate. Another Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, uh, chapter 19, says these words. Friendliness bears fruit for a person. If you want to know who your friends are, just make a mistake, A friend will never say things like, told you so. Real friends don't kick you when you're down. They're considerate. Proverbs 17 says, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Very piercing proverb. Friends are good forgetters. They're not blind, but they choose to overlook things, including our faults, our mistakes. They're forgiving. They don't rub it in, they rub it out, as someone once said. They choose to o- cho- choose to overlook faults so or those times when we blow it. And let's be honest, we each blow it, don't we? I can remember once getting a card, birthday card, that said on the front, you're a good egg, and on the inside it said, even though you're a little cracked. <laughs> that was from a kind of friend. But the truth is... We're all a little bit cracked, aren't we? Let's be honest about it. Yeah, especially you, Lisa. I'm glad that you're in agreement with me. She was nodding, so that's okay. She's my friend, I can say that. I was a you oh John In case you didn't hear that, she said she was my friend. There you go. Oh, I've come in with one, I'm now minus one. Friends are committed and friends are considerate. If we want to have friends that are considerate, we should think about how we treat other people. And as the golden rule goes, let's treat one another how we ourselves would long to be treated. Here's another C. Be confidential. I like the story I heard about the three guys who decided to go fishing together so that they might get to know one another better, so that they might build one another's trust a little bit better, and there might be that depth of friendship that they didn't have. And then one guy said, look, why don't we go a little bit further? Why don't we share The thing that we are struggling with most, just just amongst the three of us, let's allow ourselves to be really vulnerable. Who's going to go first? Of course, there was a bit of reluctance for guys to go first, let alone being real. And then one guy said, "Okay, I'll be honest with you. My problem, if I'm honest, is greed. I've got a love for money and I'll do anything at all costs to get it. The other two guys from the church were just open wide at this. The next guy thought, well, if he's going to be that honest, I don't mind being even more honest. He said, I've actually struggled with lust since my teenage years. I can't stop looking at attractive women. The third guy had a beaming smile. What are you smiling about? The other two said. "Well," He said, what I struggle with is gossip. I can't wait to tell everybody else about this. <laughs> It is important isn't it that we kind of are confidential with those things that we hear from our friends so for example for the person who contacted me somewhat red-faced to say they got home from this week's AGM and found their voting slip in their pocket wouldn't it be dreadful to break that confidence and say who that what, of course it was and I know the person who's here today is now smiling Proverbs chapter 11 verse 13 says a gossip betrays a confidence but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. The quickest way to kill a friendship is gossip isn't it? We need friends who are there and willing to listen to us without them having a burning desire to then broadcast it and of course within Christian circles to broadcast it for prayer. We can spiritualize these things when What's at the root of it is I'm desperately eager to let you know about this person or that person. Maybe you know what it's like to have shared something really fragile with someone that you trusted. And then you hear about it back again through someone else. How does that make you feel? That cuts, doesn't it? It cuts. Be comp. uh, confidential. Here's another C. Be constructive. A true friend will tell you the truth, even if it's painful. When you drive a car, there's an area called the blind spot. It's what you can't pick up naturally through any uh, mirror or window. It's that bit over your right-hand shoulder, and you have to make a twisting motion and look through that little bit of the car so that you can see your blind spot. Each of us have got blind spots in our lives. And it's true friends that hopefully are going to love us enough to just every now and then, when the moment is right, to maybe share that with us because we'll be better for it. Proverbs chapter 27, we had read to us by Andrew. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds of a friend can be trusted because they've got our best interests at heart. Most of us have probably never had a friend at that level. And if you have somebody at that level, value that person. Maybe seek to be that person for somebody else as well. Proverbs 24 says, an honest answer is the sign of a true friendship. How we communicate that honesty, of course, is important, isn't it? That goes back to us being uh, considerate. Maybe seek to compliment in public, but to correct in private. We should correct when people are up, not when they are down. Correct when up and comfort when they're down. We should never seek to correct a person unless we know first. We are open ourselves to correction. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 18, if there's something that's not right with somebody else, then go to that person and share with them first don't come and see me. You come and see me about Mr. or Mrs. whatever. The first thing I'm going to do is say, thank you for telling me. Go and talk to them. Many of you know that that's exactly what I'm going to say because I've actually said it to you or you've heard me from the front say that before. So much more constructive, isn't it? To nip something in the bud. Let's be constructive. And lastly, let's be consistent. Inconsistency can destroy friendships, can't it? Proverbs 17 verse 17 says a friend loves at all times. If we're consistent, we stand by our friend at all times when it's inconvenient, when they don't deserve it. And even when it's costly, a friend will see you through when others want to see that you are through. Someone once said a friend walks in when someone else walks out. When kids are at school and children who are here today, you may well know what it's like to have a best friend. You may well know what it's like when you lose that best friend or they upset you and you don't want to be friends with them anymore. But as children, we remember those times that it can be a bit fickle, can't we? We'd like to think that we're always behaving better as adults in terms of how we speak and treat people. Ever sent out a rash text because you're pretty peed off because of what someone said to you? Or an email? It can happen so quickly, can't it? And then the words are gone. You can't ever take them back. It may well be that there's a kernel of truth in your own pain that it's right to share. Sometimes drafting a text or an email one day and then maybe revisiting that the next is not a bad thing to do. But even better is, as I've already alluded to, go and talk to the person. Or if you can't do that, they are in another country or whatever, get on the phone or FaceTime them so that these things can be dealt with. Ultimately, for the Christian, we are told this, forgive as God forgave you. What did God forgive in terms of my own wrongdoing of the stuff that I've done wrong in my life? Was he selective? Thankfully not. He took the whole lot And if that was all paraded on this wall, well, I'd be very embarrassed and probably leg it for the door. That's another story. But he took that entirety and said, because you have trusted in my son Jesus to forgive you for all your wrong because of what he did when he died on the cross. The whole lot's gone. I don't hold that against you. And then the Bible says right now you do likewise. Don't be selective. Well, I'll forgive you for the 95%, but this I can never forgive. No. I wonder how many of us have said the Lord's Prayer. Put your hand up if you've ever said the Lord's Prayer. It's going to involve pretty much all of us because you were forced to at school, I suspect. In that Lord's Prayer, we've said these words, forgive as I forgive those who have... Oh. oh, wow. Asking God to forgive me Because of the way that I'm forgiving other people. I wonder if we've prayed that prayer a hundred times, but not done it in certain areas. Selective forgiveness. That for the Christian should never have a place at all. Jesus is there ultimately, who's there wanting to be our best friend. Romans chapter 5, verse 11 in the Living Bible says these words. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends with God. Because of what this Jesus has done, I can be God's friend. He can be mine. Jesus is committed to us so much that he shed his blood for us. That's what the bit on the cross is all about willing to take the blame, the perfect for the imperfect. He's considerate. He understands our hurts. He's confidential, keeping a secret. He's constructive. He builds you up. He doesn't tear you down. He's consistent, saying, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Michelle shared words from the Old Testament about the truth of God in that regard. For any of us, If we want to know this Jesus as our friend and wondering how that works out, very simply, very often, we use from time to time an ABC. A, that there's something to admit, to admit that I'm not perfect. Is that an okay one for us to admit? Most people don't tend to have a problem with that. The B is to believe that this Jesus died on a cross, all the bad things that we've done so that we're able to be forgiven. That's how much God loved you and God loved me. And some people get there. Maybe most of us get there. The C is what's toughest of all. The C is commit. To commit ourselves to him and ask him to lead us from this moment on. It's handing over the reins of our life to somebody else. And that's a tough thing to do. When I was wrestling with all this stuff at the back end of my teens, when life had just gone upside down and inside out and back to front and everything else. And I'd not ever gone to church really until my teens. But then when life really hit an all-time low, I didn't need anybody to tell me about the A, something to admit. There was a bucket load of stuff. But I'd heard this gospel message and the believing bit. My best friend had invited me to church, and I only went so that he then shut up and never told me about church ever again. That was kind of like the hook. Now, it was three years after that that I ultimately made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And it happened when life just went pear-shaped. I had nowhere else to go. But that whole thing of committing myself to him, I might have a good time. I was 19, for goodness sake. Come on, you can remember being a 19-year-old. Too late for to some of you, maybe, uh, <laughs> to think about that. Not sure how good Ian Blackie's memory is. but But when that time came, and I knew it was my time, I didn't know really what I was making a commitment to or what was going to be involved in that. My family at the time thought that was going to be a bit of a crutch. Oh, well, that's maybe nice for Roger. It's going to help him through his tough times. That was when I was 19. That's a good 15 years ago, as you can tell. (laughs) That ABC is what it means to become a Christian. When we take that step of faith, it's then that God makes himself real. It'd be great to say, well, come on then, God, here I am. Do your stuff, and then I'll believe. God ain't got to do that. And where is the place of faith if he did? But he's wooing us to say, trust me, take me at my word. I did that as a very naive, arrogant, ignorant 19-year-old. I'm still here. I've not made a decision any different. In actual fact, this week, um, as I was sharing in the funeral Thanksgiving service for Bill Fajentz on the 22nd of October. I saw that date and realized that it was the 22nd of October, 38 years ago, that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Ironically, in a church in Bournemouth, where Bill and June and Richard Fajentz were members at the time. Wow. And now life has kind of sent them off that direction, me off in another direction, and we were then all members here of this church but that's what it means to become a christian the abc the bible says in timothy that this god is faithful even when we're not this is jesus the most important thing that we can do for anybody is to introduce them to our friend jesus check it out don't judge me on my life but him on his and what he offers to us Maybe we need to write to somebody today who used to be a friend and we've forgotten about them or fallen out with them. Maybe it could well be that a friend we could just practically get on the phone to them. Or maybe, can I dare you, to speak to someone that you trust. Rattle off these five things and say, could you tell me honestly, do you see me as being confidential, constructive, consistent, committed and considerate? That's a challenge, isn't it, as we face that today. I trust that you'll seek to do that so that together we seek to develop great friendships outside of here, but also one with another. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for everybody here today as we are coming together to share at one level amongst friends. But we pray that as a result of our being together, there might be something that occurs where we feel even closer to one another at the end of the day than we did before we walked in through the doors. We especially would pray that for Graham and Katie as they come to share with us uh, shortly. May they feel safe and amongst friends as we seek to support them in their own journey as family. And as we think of the challenge in practice of what it means to be a friend, help me do better. And help me as well to get to know my best friend Jesus in a way that is better than I'm doing right now. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen.
2: Morning, everyone. Before I pray, I just want to share this very short little article. Years ago, anthropologist Margaret Mead was asked by a student what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a culture the student expected Mead to talk about fish hooks or clay pots or grinding stones. But now, Mead said that the first sign of civilization in the ancient culture was a femur, a thigh bone, that had been broken and then healed. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot run from danger. You get to the river for a drink or hunt for food. You are meat for prowling beasts. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for the bone to heal. A broken femur that has healed is evidence that someone has taken time to stay with the one who fell, has bound up the wound, has carried the person to safety, and has tended the person through recovery. Helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization starts, Mead said. We are all about... And we're all at our best when we serve others. And that's where friendship comes in. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come before you together this morning. We praise you. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, that you are our father and friend. Help us to be friends to those who need us most, not to stay in comfort zones of known friendships, but to step out in faith. Here I especially pray for our food chair ministry, which is such a valuable part of our church and touches the lives of those who would normally feel invisible or unloved. Pour your spirit out on all those working so hard to serve the needy. I pray for all those who encounter the team to feel your love and friendship through them. We pray for our church and all the different ministries Bless us as we work together to see how we could develop the church after all that's followed the pandemic. And bless those newly elected and those re-elected into leadership this week. Bless them with newfound passion and zeal to serve. We pray for more members to hear the call to serve in areas that have only a handful of dedicated people or none at all. And We pray for blessings and rest for them, strength and willingness to please you. We pray for unity and understanding of each other's differences. We pray blessings and healing to those known to us and those who only you know about, Lord. We pray for Sue Budden, Weylang and his family, Wilma and Richard, June, Fragrance, both the Carols, Lisa, Thelma and her son Paul and his partner Sue, Romy and her family. And also we pray for um, Graeme, and Katie, as they share Daisy's story today. Bless us and help us to live and worship with contagious joy and gratitude, to be a friend to those in need. We love you, Lord, and thank you for who you are and who we can be in Jesus Christ. We pray we can have the strength and desire to walk in your will. We ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.
3: Thank you, Kate and Graham, for sharing with us so honestly and so openly. I think, um, I think a lot of us were very moved by what they shared. Graham made a very open invitation to talk to them and ask honest questions. Why not, as they're here, take them up on that? Not to satisfy our own curiosity, but maybe, but to try and understand and develop friendships that are based on honesty and commitment. Roger talked a lot about friendship this morning, didn't he? And the word he used was commitment. And I'm sure you've all got friends that you find it very easy to commit to, very easy to get on with, very easy to like, very easy to talk to. And maybe you've got friends that actually it's quite hard work to be committed to and to like and to get on with and to talk to. But you know they're friends anyway, aren't they? Sometimes we're tempted to give up and let go of friendships, aren't we? Particularly when perhaps that relationship's not going our own way. And I guess that's part of being human, isn't it? But we've sung a song about letting go and how we have a friendship with a God who never lets go. One of the things that Katie said was that she's on a journey. And Roger made a sort of comment that, well, we're all on a journey. And that's true, isn't it? Part of being on a journey is the fact that we haven't got to the final destination yet, but we're still on the way. It's a journey of a friendship with God. And that journey has its ups and its downs. And sometimes we're very committed to God. And we don't want to let him go. But the reality is that sometimes we're not so committed And perhaps our eye gets taken off the ball and we let go. You know, God never lets go. I don't know how close you feel to God this morning, how committed you feel to God, how much of a real friendship you feel to God this morning. Let me tell you, God is committed to each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter what we feel. One of the things that Katie said, about baby Daisy was, she's amazing. I don't know how amazing you feel this morning. I don't always feel very amazing in the mornings. But God looks at you and says, you're amazing. I'm committed to you. And I want to be friends with you. The Bible says, why not reach out to God He's not far from each one of us. Maybe you feel far from God this morning. Reach out to him because he's not far from you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you for all that it has to teach us. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that is contained in it, the everyday lessons that each and every one of us can take and apply to our lives as we seek to be good and committed and honest friends to those around us. We thank you for the friendships that we have for the people we love, for the people that love us. We recognise that sometimes those friendships are easy and sometimes they're difficult. Help us in those times when friendships are difficult to be full of grace and mercy and compassion and understanding. We thank you that in you we have a friend who is always faithful, who is always understanding, and full of grace and forgiveness. We thank you that in you we have a friend who will never let go. And to each and every one of us, we pray wherever we are on that journey with you, that you would be so real to us. You would help us to feel your presence every moment of every day as we reach out to you and help us to know that whatever happens, whatever we get wrong, whatever mistakes we make, you are a friend who never lets go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.